Let's pray together. Father, in light of your grace, we want to surrender all to you. As we interact with a portion of Ephesians this morning, we want to show our surrender to you by being willing to listen and to apply in our life. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. We have a 20-year-old gal and a 60-year-old lady. Politically, the 20-year-old is in the far left. Let the government fix all and take care of all of us. The 60-year-old is on the far right, very conservative. Economically, the 20-year-old is the daughter of a millionaire, And has all kinds of stuff. The 60-year-old is in poverty, lives in a run-down house, has no stuff. The 20-year-old was physically, sexually, and verbally abused as she was growing up. The 60-year-old had godly parents and was treated very biblically. Personality-wise, the 20-year-old is withdrawn, bitter, angry, and tells people off. The 60-year-old is outgoing, gentle, and listens. In terms of diet, the 20-year-old is a vegetarian. She's very strict with her diet and drinks water only. The 60-year-old is a meat-loving, sweet-loving, soda-loving lady. In terms of education, the 20-year-old was at the top of her class in high school, enrolled in a good school, top-of-the-line College, has scholarships. The 60-year-old dropped out of school when she was 16 and just kind of hated it. The 20-year-old is a white gal. The 60-year-old is a black Latino. These two individuals care deeply for each other. They spend time together. They encourage each other. They challenge each other's thinking and beliefs. At times, they rebuke and correct each other. They bear with each other when they have political discussions. They eat together at times. How do you explain such a relationship? (coughs) We've been discussing worldviews, looking at four different worldviews. The first one being naturalism, the belief that Natural causes can explain everything. The ultimate is reality. The physical universe is all that there is. We've talked about transcendentalism, Eastern religions, which are very strong in our country, sees the world as a spiritual or psychic oneness. God is everything. And God is not personally involved, but impersonal. And Romans 1, human depravity is replaced with a positive view of humans. Islam says Allah is transcendent and relatively impersonal, but there is no trinity. There is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. Christ was a man below Muhammad in importance. Christianity, we have a living personal God, made himself known, and he can be known. Revelation is central. 
revealed himself in creation and in Christ and in Scripture. This morning, I want to pose a question. What about the body of Christ? What about fellowship? What about community? Naturalism would have no body of Christ. They would have community on the level that they're organized around causes and concerns, and that can be very good. Transcendentalism, there is no body of Christ. They follow teachers. They may have, what, if you want to call it community, they may have fellowship organized around causes and interest. Islam, there's no body of Christ. Groups, you know, to bring all under Allah, and they would be together in their mosque. Christianity, the body of Christ. Christ is the head. One that's centered in the gospel of Christ, and we would say a supernatural community. Naturalism, transcendentalism, Islam, they have community, they have fellowship. But there's, the gospel is not central. The gospel is not cure or <clears throat> at the very core. But they're united behind a common cause. We would say Christianity is dependent upon Christ. And it's not that we want to debate different worldviews. But in response to what about the body of Christ, community, fellowship should be our desire to practice that in our life. We want to look at Ephesians chapter 2, a number of verses from Ephesians chapter 2. And as we think about Ephesians chapter 2, the context of Ephesians is very, very important. We find in Ephesians, if you want to call it that, God's kind of plan for the church. It's not only in Ephesians, but it's present in Ephesians. And in chapter 1, 1 through 14, we find that Paul addresses the saints. He explains the position that they have in Christ. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You're going to be presented to God holy and blameless. You've been redeemed. You've been forgiven. In light of that, in the balance of chapter 1, Paul prays that the saints in Ephesus will have an understanding from God so that they may grasp this position and live it out. In chapter 2, 1 through 10, in a sense, we have the gospel being presented because in verses 1 through 3, he talks about where the Ephesians were before they came to Christ. In verses 4 through 9, he talks about being made alive with Christ. And in verse 10, he says they're God's workmanship. The implication of the gospel is found in chapter 2. Chapter 2, 11 through 23. The implication is oneness or unity. Then we go to chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. We find God's intention. God's intention through the body of Christ, God's intention through the gospel, is that the wisdom of God might be made known. 
And then later that wisdom being known, he then prays for the saints in verses 14 through 21 that they would be encouraged, they would be built up in the inner person, they would know God's love and grasp his power and then demonstrate that in chapters 4 through 6. They would demonstrate the wisdom of God, how? In their relationships. Paul is talking about what happens among believers in the here, in the now. What would happen in the church in Ephesus or what was happening in the church in Ephesus? What happens in bodies of believers today? So let's read together Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 22. Therefore, in light of your being dead in transgressions and sins, in light of being made alive in Christ, in light of being God's workmanship, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, He has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing it or abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole body is joined together and rises to become a holy temple, in the Lord, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Paul is writing to the believers in Ephesus, composed primarily of Gentile believers. And I want you to notice in verse 11, he says, remember that formerly, before they would have come to Christ, you who are Gentiles by birth, they're called on circumcision by those who call themselves a circumcision, and that's referring to physical circumcision. He's talking about the Jew and the Gentile. The Gentile and the Jew did not have relationships. He says in verse 12, remember that at that time, At that time, you were separate from Christ. You're excluded from the citizenship in Israel. Foreigners to the covenants of the promise. God had given some promises to Israel, to Abraham. Without hope, without God in the world. Now notice the description of the Gentiles. 
They're separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel. They're foreigners to the covenant of promise. They're without hope. They're without God in the world. The Jews would consider the Gentiles dogs, and dogs was not a good term. There was a barrier, a strong barrier between the Jew and the Gentile. What is said in verse 12, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, you Gentiles who were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Ephesians centers in Christ. Those who were far away, the Gentiles from God, separate from the Jews, have been brought close. And notice what is said in verse 14. For he himself, that is Christ, himself is our peace, who made the two one. The two what? The Gentile and the Jew he brought together in Christ and they become one. And has destroyed the barrier, the wall of hostility, by abolishing it in his flesh, the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. By which he put to death their hostility. What has happened? The Jew and the Gentile have been brought together. They are one. What the Jew has, the Gentile has. What the Gentile has, the Jew has. And that being in Christ. He's broken down the wall. Those who were far away, those who were separate from Christ, those who were without hope, without God, have been brought near. See, remember, the law came through the Jew. The Gentiles were separate. He's brought them together. And in bringing them together, look at the breadth of the unity in verse 18. For through him, we both, Jew and Gentile, have access to the Father by one Spirit. Access to the Father, singular, by the one Spirit, singular. Jew, Gentile, members of the body of Christ, same Father, same Spirit. There's a breadth. Divergent people who were enemies, were alienated, brought together. Look at the depth in verse 19. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens. You Gentiles are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. What is the depth? They were foreigners. They were aliens. Now they're fellow citizens with God's people, members of God's household, 
built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets. The Jew, the Gentile, are in Christ. They are one. In chapter 6, or I'm sorry, chapter 3 and verse 6, he says they're heirs together, they're members together, they're sharers together. We're dealing with a supernatural depth and breadth of community made, which makes the glory of the invisible God to be visible. You take a 20-year-old that I described earlier and a 60-year-old that I described earlier, worlds apart in every area of their life, but brought together through Christ. That's possible only through Christ. There can be all kinds of fellowship and all kinds of community around common causes. But here's people that are diverse brought together. The community is characterized by the common factor of or person of Christ. There's a closeness that is thicker than blood. If the if this community that Paul is describing in Ephesians 2 is not supernatural, it doesn't work. By it doesn't work, I mean it doesn't fulfill God's plan for community, which is the wisdom of God. Look at chapter 3 and verse 10. Chapter 3 and verse 10 of Ephesians. His intent. God's intent was that now through the church... The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's intent was through the church, the Jew, the Gentile, having one body, those that come to faith in Christ, this is the wisdom of God, that this would be made known to the rulers and authorities. The rulers and authorities he is talking about is the spirit world. Angels cannot experience salvation. The demons, Satan will not experience salvation. In Christ, the Jew, the Gentile, the 20-year-old, the 60-year-old, those that are diverse are brought together. Having the same father, the same spirit. Fellow citizens belong to the same household, heirs together, members together, sharers together. That displays the wisdom of God to the spirit world. The above is a reality, it's a fact in Christ. It's not dependent upon our action, it's not something we try to do, it's dependent upon Christ. The Jew came to Christ. The Gentile came to Christ. They become one in Christ. The 20-year-old, the 60-year-old, they become one in Christ. That's something God does. In chapter 4 and verse 3, he says, now maintain that unity. And chapters 4, 5, and 6 are basically maintaining that unity. He says it's already present in Christ. So in transcendentalism, in naturalism, in Islam, you can have community, but it's centered around a common cause. In Christ, 
It's centered in him and what he has done. And that would pose a question. Have you come to faith in Christ? Are you part of this body of Christ? Now, as we think about the unity that is being mentioned because of Christ, I want to give some examples. And I'm using extremes to illustrate a point. In Christ, you can have a far-right Republican and a far-left Democrat. Because Christ is central. You can have one who is economically on the downside, has basically nothing. And you can have a multi-billionaire and they care for one another and worship together because of Christ. You can have one who is high and mighty socially and one who is a social outcast. And they can care for one another and minister to one another because of Christ. You can have a black. You can have a white. You can have a Latino. And they come together under Christ. You can have one who is a bodybuilder. Who at one swipe of their hand can knock you over. And you can have one in a wheelchair And they're in Christ and they worship. You can have one who has no record of crime. And you can have one who has a crime record real long. But both have come to Christ. They're one in Christ. You can have one who is a diehard Broncos fan. And one who is a diehard hater of the Broncos. And they can worship together and care for one another and discuss football without having a fight. You can have one who's a technological buff that has the latest thing that comes out and one who doesn't even have a phone other than the old rotary. But in Christ, they have been brought together. You get a one who is a 16-year-old who has all kinds of interest in sports and just having a good time and an 80-year-old who is confined to the house and they care for one another, they visit one another, they interact with one another because of Christ. The body of Christ is not centered in political things, economical, some common cause, but in the person of Christ. In Him, The whole body is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. The Jew, the Gentile, the sports jock, the one who's not a sports jock, politically, and just so on. Now, what community are we talking about in Christ? It's a togetherness and a commitment we experience that transcends all natural bonds. Because of our commonality in Christ. You don't have to believe the same political. You don't have to be in the same place economically. You don't have to be in the same place sports-wise. You don't have to be in the same place technologically. But in Christ, He's the center. 
He will take the opposites and bring them together. And they may still remain opposites in many respects, but yet there's a commonality in Christ. Ruth Ann has made the comment to me a number of times. She said, Dan, you and I are so different. But yet we're married. When we were dating, I decided that I would buy her a tennis racket for Christmas. And we would go play tennis. So I would hit the ball to her, and if she hit it, it didn't usually come back. And she would go to serve the ball, and I would have to go outside the fence to get it. <laughs> now, I don't say that critically of her. We were different. She could sit and play the piano and the trombone, and by the way, she can do both at the same time. At least she could. <clears throat> at this, and she really enjoyed music. And she would say, Dan, why don't you sing in church? And I would say, I can't. And she finally agreed that I couldn't. We were very different. <laughs> And we have discussed at the time, what's our commonality? It's ultimately Christ and a love for him. That's the body. A togetherness that centers in Christ Jesus. The core of who we are in our being is being discussed in Ephesians. That is in Christ. United in Christ. In chapter 1 and verses 22 and 23, And God placed all things under his feet, that is under Christ's feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. His body, singular, the body of Christ. Verse 4 of chapter 2, But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Who's us, the Jew, the Gentile, and so on. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1, he talks about the union that the church has with Christ. We're talking about a union that is the core of our being. So in the body of Christ, it's not are you a sports jock or not. You're a Bronco fan or a Panthers fan. It's, that's not the issue. Are you a technological buff or are you ignorant? It's Christ. He can break down those barriers and bring together. It's God working in space and in time to do what confounds the natural laws of our world. Christ does that. The 20-year-old, the 60-year-old that I described earlier, confounds natural laws. The way our world operates But in Christ, he becomes central. Not the issue of community. It's not the issue that you're together. Christ becomes central. People who are different in Christ come together. Impossible apart from Jesus Christ because the union is not centered in a common cause. It's centered in the person of Jesus Christ. That community, that fellowship, is not something that you organize, not something you plan. 
you respond to it as described in Ephesians 4 through 6. And it's that type of community that becomes a testimony to an unsaved world where people say, I don't understand. What's going on here? What's beyond the understanding? It's because of Christ and what he has done. That not being able to be a reality in naturalism, transcendentalism, Islam. Yes, they have community and that is good. And the body of Christ can have community beyond. We may be centered around a particular cause and that's fine. But it comes back to Christ and living that out in our lives. And we'll look next week as we wrap up the comparisons of worldviews of that fellowship as it relates to our daily living as a body of Christ. Remember, the 16-year-old and the 60-year-old. Worlds apart in every way that I described but able to be together and minister to one another, encourage one another because of Christ. Our desire should be to just live and grow and responsive to Christ and to the body of Christ. And let's sing about that as Travis comes.